Welcome back to the Bible Caddy Podcast. I'm William Kane, and today we're doing a new short segment that we're calling Bonus Coverage. We wanted to give Ben and Webb one extra week off, and while we do, we thought it would be worthwhile to record a very abbreviated podcast to answer what we think is a really important question. Can we trust the Bible? The Bible makes some very strong claims. It claims to be breathed out by God. It claims that the men who wrote it were carried along by the Holy Spirit to produce exactly the words that God wanted them to. It claims that every single word in it proves true. And we're certainly treating it that way. Every substantive thing we've said in the last 40 episodes has come from the Bible. But is it trustworthy? Is it reliable? In today's episode, I want to give you 10 reasons that have helped to convince me. So reason number one the uniqueness and harmony of the Bible. The Bible is a compilation of 66 books written by 40 authors in three different languages and on three different continents written over the course of 1,500 years. Its human authors include people from all walks of life, prophets, kings, fishermen, physicians, shepherds, tax collectors. And yet it fits together in perfect harmony each of the authors agreeing and communicating the same truths as if there is one divine author behind it all. The more it's read, the more the reader begins to understand that it all bears witness to the same truths and realities. It tells a singular story. Number two, the honesty of the Bible. The honesty of the Bible reveals its authenticity. It would be highly unlikely for human writers to construct a book like the Bible. Think of it this way. Winston Churchill said, History will be kind to me, for I intend to write it. But the people of the Bible, especially its human authors, have serious flaws, and they made major mistakes. The sinfulness of man is heavily emphasized. The central hero in the Bible, Jesus, is murdered by men, and we are charged with his death. Men would not write the book this way. Further, women are the first to witness the resurrection. We saw a couple episodes ago that they were not reliable witnesses in the court of law at the time. There are tons of difficult tensions on a number of difficult issues. It's not cookie cutter at all. And where we would long to see more detail, there's sometimes real ambiguity. It's an honest book. Reason number three, the manuscripts of the Bible are trustworthy. Ancient documents are measured as trustworthy or not based on usually three different requirements, the quantity of them, the quality of them, and the time span of the manuscripts. The more manuscripts, the better, the fewer mistakes, the better, and the closer in time the manuscript is to the original copy, the better. For example, we've got 10 manuscripts of Caesar's Gallic Wars. He wrote it in 58 BC. The earliest manuscript we have is 900 AD nearly a thousand years afterward. We've got 49 total manuscripts of Aristotle's poetics, which you learn about in school and nearly everybody accepts as accurate. He wrote that in 343 BC. The earliest copy we have comes in 1100 AD, 1400 years later. Compare this to the New Testament. The New Testament documents were written between 50 and 90 AD. We have fragments of them from the 80s AD and full manuscripts from between 100 and 125 AD. And get this, we've got 14,000 copies. What does that mean? It means there is far more validity 
to biblical manuscripts than every other ancient document combined. The trustworthiness of the manuscripts is further validated by extra-biblical history. Secular history of the first century clearly documents many of the events laid out in the Bible. We know of at least 39 extra-biblical sources that attest to over 100 facts in the Bible regarding the life and teachings of Jesus alone, not to mention the rest of the Bible. We saw this in episode 38 when we quoted non-Christian historians Josephus and Tacitus. Extra-biblical witness confirms many of the events in the biblical records. The manuscripts are trustworthy. And it's not just the manuscripts that give us evidence. Reason number four is that there's also archaeological evidence. The Bible's filled with loads of information about historical details of events and nations and kings and battles and landmarks and dates. And the witness of archaeology, instead of disproving the Bible, has continually confirmed the data in Scripture. For example, the existence of over 53 individuals named in Scripture has been confirmed by archaeology. Further, there are dozens of biblical cities and events and even sites like temples and shrines that have been validated by archaeology and even discovered because archaeologists were carrying their Bible. Number five. Testable, miraculous claims. Many of the most extraordinary or miraculous claims in the Bible are recorded with great detail, with numerous references to the time and location and audience surrounding the miracle. If you remember, we saw this a couple episodes ago when we were looking at the resurrection of Jesus. Paul says that Jesus appeared after his death to 500 people at one time, many of whom are still alive. Now, they're obviously not still alive to this day, but when he wrote 1 Corinthians around 60 AD, he was telling his his readers, many of these people that saw Jesus resurrected are still in Jerusalem. Go see for yourself. And the Old Testament is full of example after example where a miracle was performed and then a specific monument was set up to show this is where it happened. The implication is that the biblical authors were encouraging their readers to research and look into the validity of the miracles or to examine the evidence surrounding them. This differs greatly from other faiths that challenge their adherents to simply accept someone's word or sacred text at face value apart from evidence. The sixth reason we can trust trust the Bible, fulfilled prophecy. The Bible is filled with over 365 prophecies that were clearly fulfilled hundreds and sometimes thousands of years after they were made. Many of the most profound examples concern the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. For example, almost 2,000 years before Jesus came, it was prophesied that he would come from Abraham's family. A thousand years later, it was promised that the Messiah would also come from the family of David. Around the same time, it was prophesied that the hands and feet of this Messiah would be pierced, and that at his death, onlookers would cast lots for his clothing. Isaiah, who wrote over 700 years before Jesus, says that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. He promised that God's chosen servant would be punished with sinners, but that his death would atone for our sin. Around the same time, a prophet named Micah said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. All these things and many, many more were fulfilled in Jesus. Reason seven, the majority of the New Testament was written by eyewitnesses, by men who were 
eyewitnesses of the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And the books that were not, they were still the accounts of the eyewitnesses and recorded by someone else. We see this in John 19, verse 35, where John writes, He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he's telling the truth, that you may also believe. Peter says the same thing in 2 Peter 1.16. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. These are trustworthy men, and their trustworthiness is amplified with reason number eight. They had a serious lack of motivation for lying. Each of these men, along with all the other apostles, were either martyred for their faith in Christ or tortured and imprisoned late in their lives. All of them went to their deaths, claiming that Jesus, who died for sins and was raised from the dead, is Lord over all. If their testimony was a lie, what would have motivated them? Surely, if this had all been a lie, just one of them would have renounced his faith and avoided death. People die for things that are not true, sure, but rarely will anyone die for something they know for a fact is not true. And even the one who did betray him took his own life because he knew he'd made a dreadful mistake. There is no way all of the apostles would have died martyrs' deaths had they known for a fact their testimony was not true. Reason number nine, the life change ability of the scripture. Over the last 2,000 years, literally millions of lives from nations all over the world have been utterly transformed as they have engaged with the Bible. As people have read this book, they have heard in its pages the voice of God, and they've never been the same. The consistency of testimony and the amount of life change from exposure to the Bible is genuinely unexplainable, apart from it being God's very own word. And then last, and perhaps most importantly, Jesus believed the Bible was God's word. In in episode 38, we saw that this man, Jesus, who taught like no one else taught, he did what no one else could do. He loved like no one else could love. This man who was strong and sensitive and mighty and compassionate. This man who claimed that the scriptures were about him. This man who claimed to be God. He really was raised from the dead. There's no one else like him. And listen to what he says about the Bible in Matthew 5, 18. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Down to the smallest marks In the Hebrew alphabet, Jesus says, the scriptures are accurate. Even the difficult to believe parts, like Jonah and the fish, Jesus believed that was the word of God. He even says that in Matthew 12, 39 to 41. If Jesus really is God in flesh, if he really walked out of the grave alive, never to die again, I'm signed with him. Friends, the Bible is breathed out by God. Every word of it proves true. We can trust it down to the smallest mark. We can go to it to know God, and we can build our lives on it. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Bible Caddy Podcast. We'll have the guys back next week to start a brand new series. Until then, let's get into the Word and let the Word get into us.